I want to welcome you to the Dark Side of Therapy. This is Eric Nance, and I've always wanted to do different things in my podcast, and as you know before, I like to bring on people that have nothing to do with mental health, and I had this odd idea. I wonder if my dentist would come on and actually talk to me about how he set up this wonderful office environment, and he agreed to do it, so he is here. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. Welcome again to the Dark Side of Therapy. This is the show where we help new clinicians and new graduates get their feet wet in the mental health field, not burn out, and have great careers. Now, dentistry may not have a whole lot to do with mental health, but I can tell you this. I get nervous when I go to the dentist. I was nervous the first time I met Dr. Kemet. And then uh, it all came down to, I heard the 80s channel play one time. I think it was just random one-hit wonders. And I said, that's the kind of dentist's office I want to be in, Dr. Kemet. So thank you for that. Awesome. So I want to I want to start with just some fun. Why are dentists in movies always bad guys? I mean, you look at Little Shop of Horrors, you look at Marathon Man; they're always just you know going after people. Why is that? Uh, I don't know how how deep you want to get into this, but uh, <laughs> steep fibers, nerve nerve pain, uh, the types of pain that is in is in uh, yeah. uh, the teeth, they only send pain. Uh, so if we touch anywhere close to them, all they're going to do is send pain. They don't send hot, cold, or anything like that. They just send pain. And so when you, when you know that you have the most simplistic fiber, uh, in the nervous system inside the tooth around the tooth, that's, that's why we get a bad rap. Gotcha. <clears throat> so, um, that, that and dentists are weird. We just are odd people. So I think that also plays into it. So yeah, you get a lot of crazies and, and whatnot. So, so how, how, but you're a very well-known respected guy. How have you avoided the craziness, Dr. Kim? And how have you done that? Um, I think, I think I came to it from a very interesting perspective. I was a, a farmer at first, I guess I grew up on a farm, but not really farming. My dad drills water wells and irrigation wells and stuff like that. Um, so I'm used to punching holes in the, in the ground, seeing what's underneath uh, North Dakota at hundred feet or 200 feet below. Um, so I have an interesting perspective of what is out there, but I also have a medicinal side where my mom, my sister, my three aunts, two cousins are all nurses. Wow. So there's a, there's a lot of medicine in my family too. No doctors, but a lot of nursing. So I, my dad always likes to say when you put well drilling and, and nursing together or medicine together, I right. mean, yeah, you get a dentist drilling holes in medicine. So, so here we are. So you, you, you had some hard living. I mean, I've, I've never worked on a farm. I, but friends have told me you don't want to do it because it's, it's, it's backbreaking work. And so you, you came from that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was just talking to somebody this morning. Uh, even when I went to college, I, uh, most people are going to work at like Olive Garden, which I did. I worked at the Olive Garden for almost a year, but I also worked uh, at a lumber yard and I, I did, uh, did a delivery truck. Um, so I was a boom truck operator for a year and a half. Um, why? Because I know how to drive a truck and I'm used to physical labor. So I would work from five in the morning until eight, nine at night. And so I would work 70 to 75 hours, five days a week. So you, you, you know, the, you know, the value of a hard day's work. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stop. I mean, I just, 
there's no way you're going to, you're going to stop me from working. And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, I just keep going and going. It's the Energizer Bunny stuff. I'm starting to feel it now. I'm 43. So, well, uh, I'm, I'm 47 <laughs> and I feel it too. Um, but I'm not going to stop either because I, you know, a Rolling Stone gathers no moss, right? So we, we have what they say. to keep going. I've never seen moss. So I don't know. <laughs> right. No, it's funny. You know, you brought something up that I didn't even think we would talk about, which is, I own a business too, and people seem to think that that's the thing you've always done in life, right? And, yeah. and I've done some jobs too that some people may consider shameful. I've washed dishes, you know, I've, I've power washed vehicles, I've done retail. But I think all of that stuff is preparatory for what we do as well. Yeah. I think there's links to it that we kind of forget about. Um, right. So knowing that you've done these things, and I know you're not above anything, which is awesome, because that's exactly no. what I teach as well. Exactly. The if you see me taking out the trash in my office, it's because I am not above that. Absolutely. I'm cleaning the toilets, I'm doing all of that. There's there's no job that's that's below me. I can tell you that. And and we're and we're going to talk about that because I want to get into your office here in a minute. But I have to say, I think it was Tom Hardy that said, "I was raised to treat the janitor with the same respect as the CEO," and I just what a, what a phenomenal quote. Leaders eat last. I mean, if you if you want to look into that book, uh, fantastic, I, fantastic. I will. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So here's here's a big question. How did you put together this office environment that is so wonderful and fun and that I actually enjoy going to? Because that's a big compliment for a dentist, Dr. Kim. We don't hear that a lot, but yeah. I like going there. How did you yeah. do this? <laughs> um, I always say that you need to be able to enjoy what you do and who you're doing it with. If you look at... If you look at a, a, an office environment and say you're going to work together 40 hours a week, those are the main 40 hours that you're going to be together all week. There's 172 hours in a week. I, I, mean, I, I right. don't even remember. Um, it seems like that's a small amount, but it's a, a huge amount when you think about those are the, the times that you are the most rested, you are, you're dedicating the most time to. We want to say that we want to give all this time to our families and, and stuff, but we're giving the prime of our lives to work. Right. So you better well enjoy it. Um, if you think of it as work, find a new job. Really, it has to be a place that you enjoy going to and you want to go to. And if, uh, what's the old saying? If, uh, um, if it feels like, if it feels, I don't know how the saying goes. Uh, I know if, where you're going with this though. Yeah. If you, yeah. If you, you don't like, work, a day, you won't work a day in your life. If, if, uh, if, if you if love what you do, right. There you go. There you go. And so it takes a long time. We, we hire, of course, it's hard in Mina to, to hire for skill. Right. And so we hire for personality. Um, we want people to enjoy their jobs. And, um, my, my, my facility is a training facility basically. So we, we train what we need to happen, but I want people around me that I enjoy um, I want people that are going to enjoy me and my personality. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Um, I have patients that have come in and have left. Um, I've had patients that have left bad reviews with our office. And that's okay because, again, I don't have to be everybody's dentist. So I want people to come here and, and know that I'm doing the absolute best I can for them. Uh, we take a lot of CE at our office. So um, there's probably not many people that are as highly trained as we are. Um, the amount of money and time that we've spent and I've spent over my 17 years to do this is, is insane. Um, you know, bet. taking 150 to 200 credit hours per year uh, over the last 15 years is just 
stupid um, when you consider that it's really 15 hours a year is what's required. Um, I appreciate the honesty. I, I, I never know when I work with people on the podcast what kind of honesty I'm going to get, but you've laid it out nicely, and you talk about the bad reviews. You say you're not everybody's cup of tea. My challenge to that would be, but you're fun. I mean, when I sit with you, even though, yeah, it's dentistry, but it's fun. Yeah. How could anybody come in and not be attracted? That's just foreign to me, yeah. Dr. Kemet. Yeah. But you, it, you, yeah. It is. It, it's, it seems foreign, but again, I'm, I'm going to lay it out brutally honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell them uh, about how, I'm going to tell them about how I think this should go. And there are so, there are so many times where they don't want to do that. And I'm not willing to compromise the outcome because I know that's the wrong path. I was talking to a patient today that I don't want to lead you down the wrong path. And I don't want to, I don't want to allow something to go down that path if I'm not comfortable going down that path. And so if they feel like I'm being forceful about something, they, they're going to get mad about it. And that's okay because again, they have the right to do what they want to do. It's their mouth. Um, is it uh, until there's some detrimental action that's going to to follow their action, let them do what they want, but I don't have to be the one doing it. So, so let me, let me summarize this. You're okay with hurting people's feelings for their own good based on the best course of treatment. Yep. You come to a doctor's office for their opinion as well as their treatment. Um, if you're not going to respect my opinion, why do I want to get involved? Wow. So, I'm, th- I'm thinking it's so joyous all the time and there's days it's not so joyous where that's very true. It's very true. Yep. So, I have many, you... many examples I could go through, but I, I don't know if I want to, well, you. but I've me... got stories up to yin yang. You know, I, I, if we had two hours, I want to hear them all, but on your worst days, what, is, what is your self-care and mental health? That's all we talk about is self-care. What is, what does a dentist do for self-care? What kinds of things? Uh, you know, the, the old old saying is is that it's not a saying that dentists have the highest suicide rate, right? Everybody has heard that. It's like urban folklore at this point. Right. Um, it's true. There's we're very high in suicide rate, but I don't actually believe it's just because of dentistry. Um, most of that is actually the business ownership, um, and so that's where it comes in with what you're talking about. Dentistry is hard, um, no doubt about it. But it's also fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the business side, I believe that's probably the most challenging because we need not just bodies and warm bodies to fill these chairs um, that I need to to operate my business. I also need very skilled, highly skilled laborers, um, and we can't find them in most places, especially after COVID. Don't even get me started. So. If we have a difficulty in the HR department trying to figure out, and by the way, I am the HR department, so I've got nine employees, and I guess who runs them all? And it's me. And so there's so many things that are on my mind all day long. And I've had employees comment on, I know what's going on in your life. And yet you're back there singing and you're laughing, and everyone's having a riot of a time in the back. We can hear you. I mean, it's like, 60 feet from my front office to the back office and we got the radio going like you said earlier and people can hear us talking and laughing and joking and i've had employees come in especially new employees and they say i know what's going on in your life 
because in my team, it's common knowledge. Talk about what's going on with each other. We're, we're your confidence. We are, we are your family. So they know what's going on in my life, just like I know what's going on in theirs. And there's been a lot um, in the last few years. Um, and they said, how can you do that? I've, I see you walk by with your head in your phone, like, oh man, this email just came in. What did your attorney say? What happened here? And then three minutes later, you're singing in the back. Why is that? Well, it's because I enjoy my job. I love helping people. What I get to do is change people's lives on a very, it seems slow, but it's a very fast scale. Um, sometimes large treatments can last three or four months in, toward, in order to get completed. Sometimes it can be as easy as today. You just broke a tooth and it hurts you. And in two hours, you get a new crown and we're done. So um, it's one of the reasons why I started training uh, on, on CEREC technology on, on the same day crowns and same day onlays and inlays and, and that technology. That's why I started doing that because in North Dakota, we have so many people that are farmers and, and if something breaks, they want it done now because they're not coming back into town and stopping their operation just to get into my four days a week that I'm working. Good point. So if they're coming in, they're not going to come in just to have me look at it. They'll say, you know what? I'll stick around for a little bit. Let's get this done. And so I'm able to really change people's lives, whether it's small as that, or it's a large case, like some people uh, go through. So in medicine, it's, it's hard to have that last, that effect. I mean, you might have somebody that comes in and it's like, you, you change a medication and you wait. And then you have them come in and it's like, oh, it's not working. Okay, let's, let's dial this down and we'll try a new medication. This one just can't, I just heard about this one. Let's try this, it's working for another patient. And then you wait. And then pretty soon it could be nine months or 12 months later and that patient dies. Right. I mean, drastic example, right? right? The patient dies, but now you go, what could I have done better? What? What did I, was I not good enough to, to help that patient? What could I have done that could have saved that person's life? Was it my fault? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I looked both those roads um, when I was young and coming from the farming aspect, working with my hands, building things, really literally building rigs and things like that um, to drill water wells and, and welding and stuff from 10, 11, 12 years old. I wanted to work with my hands and I wanted to have that immediacy on someone's life. And that's what gets me going every day. Um, it, it literally is a, a type of procedure or a type of uh, job and career that you get a lot of satisfaction from. I love going to work, but it burns me out. And I think that's why you want me here today. Cause I think we're all, we all understand that um, we can get, we can get to a point where, it's just too much. I used to work five days a week. I still work five days a week. I'm here. I don't usually see patients on my Fridays. Um, if I do, it's a large case where I just can't be disturbed. Um, you know, large full mouth extraction implants, that kind of thing. You know, as I'm progressing in my career, those larger cases I'm feeling more confident with. And so I'll stick those on a Friday, but I just don't want to be bothered. Um, and it becomes, again, a less stressful time for me rather than, you know, two hygienists, I got to go check on every hour and that kind of stuff and stop the procedure. A couple things you've said, have, well, a lot of what you said has stood out, but let me, let me tell you the big one. Um, the laughter at work. 
and the fact that you said family. So let me give you the dark side of mental health. Um, I've had people tell me flat out, you shouldn't be laughing at work. You shouldn't be laughing with a client. I've been told that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I'm, and I'm thinking, I don't know of any study or any peer-reviewed journal article that has a positive correlation between inefficiency and laughter. Do you, do you know of any? No. No, because they no, don't exist. No. It doesn't exist. And I was doing a presentation down in Brainerd, Minnesota. I may have told you about that. And, and a woman there, we were talking about supervision, and she said, there's this perpetuated idea that we just can't have fun because if we are, we're not productive. I thought, where are people getting this stuff? The first day we met, you said, she's a beaut. Now, I know what that's from. I thought, yeah, but that sets the tone, doesn't it, that it's going to be okay to laugh here. Yeah, it was, she's a beaut, Clark. <laughs> I'm thinking, every day. Yeah. Every machine's a beaut, Clark. Yep, every but, day. But again, <laughs> but again it, but it's so powerful because it's such a small thing, but what it creates is safety. Yep. And that's what, that's what you created. Yep. So to the bigger overall point, you're, you're, I'll, I'll call them your employees. I can't think of a better term. They look team, happy. Team, team. team. Your team looks happy. They're welcoming. They smile every time I walk in. You don't see this a lot, Dr. Kim, and especially in mental health, which is really ironic to me. They smile every time I walk in. That's pretty profound. It is. It is when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, Go to many, go to many places and you'll find some employees that are like that, but usually not a whole team. Right. Um, Right. And, and we work really hard at that. In fact, I'm probably at, I've, I've been doing this in Minot for a little over 10 years, 10 and a half years. And we're at the best place probably we've ever been because <clears throat> as people, you know, come to my office and, and their tenure has, has now expired and they're moved on somewhere else. Um, I've got some teammates that are here for 10 years. One just retired. That was, I came with the office. I inherited her and, and she just retired right. in, in um, still one of my, excuse me, <clears throat> still one of my best friends. Uh, but she retired if she if she wasn't at retirement age and said, you know what, I think I have to I, I want to hang it up. She'd still be working. Um, I have another employee that is is just at the 10 year mark now. Um, and get this, you know, last year she said, I, I need to change my schedule. And I said, no, I, I said, when we're here, we're a team. And and so she had to find her own way. And she started working for another office. Um, within a few months, let's probably say three months, she called me up and, and she said, I'd like to come back. If you have an opening and she came back hard in hand and said, this is where I belong. Um, and she needed to see that. Um, and I had to let her have her own wings to do that. Um, and that my other employees, my other teammates get to see that and say, wow, she went off somewhere and she was back almost immediately. And it, it makes such a, a profound difference knowing that someone else who is, has been here for 10 years went out, tested the waters and said, no way, I'm coming right back because this is the environment that we want. We want people that know that they can come right up to the top, go to the business owner and say, I'm having a problem. I need some help. I don't know what to do. And I can do everything in my power to, to help them. I don't know how many times I've blown leaves for my employees. I've done their, uh, snowblowed their driveways, driving around town when it's, you know, 
12 to 15 inches of snow. Um, you name it, I've done it for them. Um, and I think that also shows. Um, I, I, yeah, totally. Two words yeah. that come to my mind, humility and vulnerability, because you have it. And you know how often I see vulnerability in professionals and healthcare uh, about that much? Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I want to be, I think everybody wants to be humble and it's hard to be humble when you know what's the best thing for a patient. And you're like, that's what it has to be. And it's really hard to jump back and say, well, I think if I do this, let's see if we can get it to last a couple of years. And, and, and that's the hard part. It, it really makes it difficult um, when you, you know, what's, what's the right thing for them. Um, uh, and I, I don't, I don't know if that's a, I don't think it's a lack of humility. It's, it's saying, I want to help you. And this is the way to do it. Um, and that can come off really as, as a lack of humility. And it's, it's really just saying, I've been that down that road. I've helped people. I've, I've let them go that route. If I didn't even, if I didn't even recommend it before, I, I, that might've been my first recommendation. And now I know better. Um, and I don't want that person to go down that road. So it's a really, it's a really hard place to be at sometimes, but it's a lot of fun knowing that, you know, we are changing people's lives, uh, and, and hopefully we'll continue to do that Absolutely. Um, in a positive manner. And it, it does, it starts with the moment you walk in the door, because that's, if that doesn't go well, I mean, there's a good chance people will not come back. And so, yeah. 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 And we, Exactly. And we say from, from the very first phone call, uh, when they're shopping for um, an office, I want that same feeling. When they get off the phone and they hang up the phone, they go, wow, that was different. I like that person. Right. I want to know more. Right. And then when they come in, they feel it again. And then now they get to go to the clinic and meet somebody else. And I'm like, wow, that person is the same as that person or two at the front that I talked to on the phone and that I'd met. And now, Oh, the doctor, Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting the vibe that this place is all this way. And that's what you're saying. Yes. And then yes. when you check out after a procedure, you're numb, you're still bleeding. Yeah. Who knows what's happening? <laughs> you feel like crap. And now you got to pay a bill. Yeah. And are you going to be upset about that? Well, probably. You know, who wants to do that? I'm, I'm trying to figure that one out so that that's not, that's like the worst time you ever want to have somebody paying a bill is like when they're in pain, you don't walk out of your appendix surgery and say, all right, here you go. Let's settle up. Um, you know, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. So we're trying to figure out some things that we don't have to bill them. Right, right, right. But we also want to get paid because it's hard to chase down money. I know, so believe me. It's a real hard place to be, but I want them to check out and go, well, this was great. I, I, I want to come back. You know, that was a crappy procedure, but man, they did the best they could. And, and uh, when they come in for the follow-up, I want them to be super happy. Well, here's my belief, and you can disagree with this, but if you've been treated well, I, I don't care how crappy you feel. Because last time I was there, I felt pretty crappy. But then I sat down with, um, I forget the name of the girl that worked on me, but I could have stayed that seat for hours talking about just random stuff because that's what we're doing. And so... When, when, you, when you feel good about how you've been treated, I don't think a whole lot else matters. I really don't. If you've been treated disrespectfully or not listened to, that's very different. So to yeah. me, that's the difference there. 
And I really hope, Dr. Kemet, that mental health can learn something from this because we're, we're bad. We are so bad at taking care of people. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's a shame to me because again, um, that's why I wanted to bring you on because I want people to see this and say, okay, this can be done, but you got to be vulnerable. Like you said, the family thing that I, I, I had no idea that's how you viewed it, but it makes sense to me. But also you let people, you communicate with people, you tell people yeah. what's going on so they don't have to guess because that takes so much energy to have to guess what people are going through. Yep. Yep. And you know, when I left Minneapolis, I was an associate in Minneapolis for a couple of years before I came back here after residency and, and working. I actually worked for the Indian Health Service for a few years in residency with I them. I think I read that. Yeah. Yeah. I went back to Minneapolis, worked as an associate in a, a large group practice for a while. It was private practice. Um, uh, but I, I was I was not I was not me. Uh, I was not able to to talk about faith. I was not able to talk about who I was personally. I mean, to a point, I mean, people want to know who I am, but, but really coming back to Minot, these people here, I'm able to be myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm able to tell people that as I'm looking at them, I'm helping them explain the creation that we are. Mm-hmm. And, and I can explain why I believe this is the way that, that we were formed and that we weren't, you know, that we weren't just, um, from blobs until who we are now, like this takes design and it's really hard to deny that. And so I think that comes from inside of all of us. Um, if you let that, we were, we were talking about my shirt today. Yeah. So here I am, <laughs> made a shine. Like I love that shirt. Yeah. That. We gotta, we gotta be able to be ourselves and to show the love that Jesus gave for us that makes a huge difference. Um, this isn't a trust issue. This is a an issue of of seeing that person for who they truly are, um, and them saying, you know, I told a patient today. I said, "You broke what I put in your mouth five years ago, six years ago. Mm. I was fixing what you naturally broke before that. You know that you you expect me to put in something that is." better than what God naturally gave you. And you, I, I don't know what to do. It's like, we're going to try it again. Right. But something else has to change. We, you know, our bodies are, are an amazing organism. I mean, the mechanics of, of teeth, especially. What, what, an, what an organism we have, what a mecha- mechanical system we have in teeth. When you start focusing on the mechanics of teeth, it is, fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. So when I get to design teeth as, as not only a dentist, but a clinician and a lab technician all in one, it makes a huge difference on how I think. I mean, I have a chemistry degree, so I also have that beyond behind me too. It's like, I'm looking at the biology, the chemistry, the, the physics right. um, of somebody and going, wow, wow. It is so neat to be able to do that. And I think people will see that and and I think there's this level of automatic trust and they feel like they're part of something when they're sitting in our chair Absolutely. and they're part of our team. So I have a friend in Oregon. She's 87. She just retired last year. She's a professor for a thousand years. And we have a big conversation every two Sundays. You know, the term we use is curiosity, curiosity. And boy, did you just exhibit that? I mean, that's, that's curiosity is what that is. I want to, I want to know. Yeah. 
Yeah. I really think that we're at a tipping point in dentistry and I could go on a whole, whole lot. No, this is time. awesome. I, we, we, we have until midnight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think dentistry is at a tipping point. Um, I think the, the next field in medicine is dentistry when, and, um, I've got a, a couple of books written in my head. That's, that's actually the working title of, of one of them where I believe we can actually predictively, uh, uh, reliably predict, um, medical problems by, by looking at people's teeth. Sure. Um, it's been known. Uh, we always think about, uh, you get your, you get a heart attack and the first thing they're going to do is they're going to send you for a sleep study, right? right. Why are they going to send you for a sleep study? Well, they know the correlation between, um, heart attacks and, uh, improper breathing desaturations during sleep, sleep apnea, right? So they know that. They say, mm, this person needs a CPAP machine. And so the cardiologist sends it directly over to get uh, a CPAP machine or a, a, a sleep study. Yep. Why? Why can't we look at that? Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the damage on teeth. I'm looking at this person knowing that that damage didn't happen just because of acid erosion, but it's there. And so we know the correlation between acid erosion and obstructive sleep apnea. We also know that only of all the people that are diagnosed with OSA, that's only an estimated 20% of the people that actually have it. That's 80% of the people that are undiagnosed out there. Wow. So when you start putting the numbers together, there's a massive need for people to breathe better. Now, I don't mean that they all need CPAPs. They might, but I think it's a bigger issue. This is probably the world's worst issue that is, that is staring us uh, down right now. When you think about uh, uh, someone who has obstructive sleep apnea that's untreated, you have a three to five times more likely chance of having a heart attack, a stroke, or lower lung disease. That's number one, three, and five really? killers. Uh, really? So how do we, what do we do about that? Now, is the killer the heart attack? Well, that was the final straw. But what caused the heart attack? Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. We're looking at this thing totally in the wrong aspect. We're not putting an asterisk by it and saying, well, they had well, they had OSA or, you know, this person had a congenital issue. We're not right. doing that at all. Right. It's OSA. Um, you know, think about Judge Scalia who died, didn't have a CPAP on. We think about um, Princess Leia, uh, right? Carrie Fisher, died, yeah. Never yeah. CPAP on, right. right? Carrie Fisher. So Why? what we need to start really focusing on this. And unfortunately, the world of medicine and the world of dentistry have been at odds. Yep. Um, we are the ugly, evil stepsister of, of medicine. Oh, you didn't get into medical school. <laughs> you just laugh, right? Right? We didn't get it. We're too stupid to get into medical school, right? Wow. That's, <laughs> that's, that's exactly wow. what everybody believes. It's not true. Not one bit. Um, but yet that's this overwhelming feeling. Why can't I, as a physician of the mouth, uh, be able to prescribe a sleep study? I have to go through the patient's primary care to write the freaking referral. Right, right. What do they know? Right. I'm telling them everything that they should have caught right. years ago. This person's tossing and turning their sleep. They're all over the place. They can't get up. They, they get up at two in the morning and they say, that's it. I'm up. Okay, what am I going to do? I don't know. I'm going to go clean the house. Why can't you catch that? Why am I as a dentist catching this stuff? 
Well, it's not because of dentistry, typically. It's because I know what I know. Again, I've got a lot of training behind me. And I think that's where the world of, of dentistry is going to change. I think we're still going to have tooth mechanics. You know, we're going to have the Aspen Dentals, the Heartland Dentals, all those places. Um, last year is the first year that um, we've had less than 50% of dentists are private practitioners. Mm -hmm. That means we're becoming medicine. Right. And we need to fight to keep these private offices because it's only us that's really focusing on what's going to happen with that patient. Um, we need to be able to, uh, someone asked me yesterday, it was actually an 11 year old asked me this, why do you own your own office? Mm. And I thought, that's an interesting question. And I <laughs> yeah. Said, well, <laughs> I said, it was actually my girlfriend's daughter. Okay. Um, and I said, well, because in if, if somebody else owns my business, they're not going to look at a 50 or $100,000 piece of machinery that I want because I want to help my patient. They're not going to look at that until they say, oh, the ROI is X. It has to have this massive ROI in order for them to even think about buying yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. And for me, I look at it and say, yeah, let's just do it. I'll, I'll take a pay cut in order to help my patient. Um, that's the reason for being a private practitioner. If I want to do what I want to do to help a patient, I'm gonna do it. And we're losing that in dentistry. The amount of DSOs that are out there and snatching up offices left and right, it's insane. It's insane. And if we wanna go the way of medicine where, you know, a, a, a kidney uh, kidney surgery is you know one hundred thirty thousand dollars, but the doctors get paid you know five. Right, right. You know that doesn't make any sense. Oh, because well, the cash the cash uh, procedure uh, uh, price is one hundred thirty thousand dollars, but oh, you're, the insurance companies only have to pay five. Right. It doesn't make sense, but yet that's what dentistry is. I set my office up to to, to say you know what I'm I'm gonna. Uh, everybody's going to pay the same. I don't care if you have insurance or not. You're not going to have this outlandish fee that only the cash people pay because I'm taking a 20 or 30 or 50% discount on an insurance company. I don't think that's fair at all. Uh, most of my patients are, are, you know, they don't have their business owners themselves. They don't have insurance. They're uh, farmers that don't have insurance. Um, that's fine. It doesn't matter to me because they're going to pay the same thing as everybody else. If you have insurance, great, you get a discount. Um, and that's really what dental insurance is anyway. You know, you got to think about dental insurance as really the exact opposite of medical insurance. You know, uh, dental insurance, you might have a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars to use, and that's it. Right. Caps it out. Yeah. Done. Yep. Um, whereas the opposite, you know, you might spend three, four, five thousand dollars, or if you have a family plan, it might be you know, $8,300, that's your maximum that you would have to pay in. And then they'll pay on top of that. Now you have that $130,000 surgery and they'll take care of the rest. Okay. It's 180 degrees. It is exactly opposite of insurance. So why are we calling it insurance? Right, right. Call it a discount plan. Um, Say you $1,500 discount. Great. Geez, we're going to have to do a part two because you've brought up so many issues that I want to relate back to mental health, but <laughs> Um, I won't be able to do them all tonight. I want to answer your question, though, even though it was rhetorical. 
you said <laughs> you said why do you have to refer on to a physician? Um, because you 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 listen to the person. Uh, yeah. You're you're the listener, and yeah. and um, that's just what's required because you 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 care. Um, but the ironic part is you care, but you still have to do this. I have to do the same thing. I can't prescribe meds, but I can refer people who take about ten minutes with patients and medicate right. them up, and and I could go on about that too. But we're talking the same language here, which is uh, care, and. Yeah. When you mention what dentistry is becoming, look at what mental health is becoming. It's an online world now of we don't know what's happening or what's going to happen. Yeah. Credentials right. are harder to check. This field, unlike your field, Dr. Kimmett, this field will take anybody. Mental health will take anybody. So I could argue our field's even more dangerous, but <laughs> I don't want to be one of those people. I, I, I'm a lot like you in that I want to give the best quality care. And I don't want to be just somebody on a Zoom meeting that's here to listen and nod. But I think that's where we're becoming, uh, and I, I hate it. And if dentistry is going in a similar place, albeit a different way, that saddens me too. Yeah. Because people yeah. need to be. I feel like you're educating people tonight, and I love it because I love learning. So I just appreciate your the depths of which you're willing to explain this. Yeah. Well, I've got a lot in me. I, you, you do. You do. I, I'm surprised that at 43 years old, the amount of experience I have, um, I was talking with my girlfriend this weekend. It's like, I'm trying to explain all these interesting parts of my life. I'm like, dang, I feel like I'm 90. Yeah. But that's a it's life. A that's a life well lived though. I mean, so by the time you're 90, <laughs> you're going to feel like you're 500. I know. Well, my family tends to have strokes. We don't have heart attacks. We have strokes around age 90. So I'll be all right till then. I was going to say that gives you, you know, God willing, you live even past that. Um, yeah. I like to hit the brick wall at the end because I know where I'm going. <laughs> Take me now. Ab absolutely. Um, I know you're a busy man and it just, I'm, I'm honored that you came on to do this. I, I, I got, I can't say I got more than I expected, but the, the, the breadth of vulnerability is something I don't see very often in people. And and Dr. Kimmett, thank you for your your candor because um, again, awesome. this is this is going to mean something to people. And um, I'd love to have you back at some point. Absolutely, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I'm I hope I didn't talk too much. I really appreciate what you're doing, Eric, and and you're always a breath of fresh air every time I get to talk with you. So I, I appreciate I, I I appreciate that. And um, no, uh, this gives me a lot of food for thought. And um, as listeners tune in again. This is what we learned from our dentist. So don't be afraid to watch this one, okay? If you liked it, please hit like, please subscribe. And as always, uh, follow us and leave a comment. Dr. Kim, and it's been great. Again, thank you so much. You bet. Thanks, Eric.